Welcome to the PowerCat Podcast, GoPowerCat.com's Kansas State Athletics Show. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, from the GPC studios, here's your host, GoPowerCat publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Saturday in Lawrence, Kansas. It is Kansas State versus Kansas. The Sunflower Showdown is the name they want us to use, but I prefer the Bleeding Kansas Bull. Welcome, everyone, to the PowerCat pregame podcast. I am Go PowerCat publisher Tim Fitzgerald, and today we're going to take you through a tour of the upcoming game between the Cats and Jayhawks over in Lawrence. It kicks at 11 a.m. Saturday morning. The game will be shown on FS1. And if you're worried about a certain announcer from Fox being on the game, he is not. Well, folks, this is going to be a very interesting game. As Kansas State emerged from the three-game losing streak to open Big 12 play, I said on this very show that they needed to run the next three. They needed to go to Tech and win, come home and defend the home field against TCU, and then go to Lawrence and win. And they have accomplished two of those things, barely winning at Tech, but getting Matt Wells fired as head coach, completely dominating TCU, and getting Gary Patterson fired as head coach. And now the Wildcats head to Lawrence to try to get to six and three to try to get bull eligible for the 23rd time in school history a remarkable feat considering where this program was when bill snyder arrived in 1989 and more importantly kansas state will attempt to win its 13th straight game in this series that's right they've won 12 in a row And now they're going for 13. As soon as KU breaks the streak, it seems like K-State just reestablishes it. And the Wildcats are 25-4 and in this series since 1993. And keep in mind, three of those losses were by Ron Prince during his failed attempt to coach the Kansas State program. As I mentioned, this is the PowerCat pregame podcast featuring myself, Tim Fitzgerald. And later in the show, we will have Ryan Wallace from our Go PowerCat staff join us. Brian Hanley, our football analyst, former Kansas State offensive lineman on those 97 and 98 K-State teams. And then in our final segment, we will talk about the odds on this game and all of the action in the Big 12 with our own gambling analyst Ryan Gilbert from the Go Paracat staff. And our sponsor of our podcast today is Robbins Motor Company. K-State fans, visit the Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat location on Anderson Avenue in Manhattan for an exciting test drive. Robbins Motor Company title sponsor of the Paracat pregame podcast. And now we bring in our own Ryan Wallace. Wally, uh, you know, three weeks ago we're doing this and all is doom and gloom and they've got to find a way to win. And lo and behold, they come home after beating Tech. They beat TCU. They get two coaches fired. And they're back on track going to Lawrence. Essentially, they're going to finish out, unless something stunning happens in Lawrence, they're going to finish out this three-game segment of the schedule exactly right with a sweep. And and that alone is a sign of progress. What have you seen from this team over the last two weeks that gives you some encouragement and what have you seen that still is very worrisome to you? Well, you know, I think that as much as I, I want to and I and I will commend the defense, um, not only for the way that they rose up in the second half in Lubbock, but also, you know, despite all the turmoil, despite Zach Evans not playing last week for TCU, I, I thought that was still a pretty strong performance from Joe Klanderman's group because, again, as we alluded to in the pregame show last week, we weren't sure what TCU group was going to show up in Manhattan. But at the end of the day, they have athletes littered all over that offense. And so for the defense to be, by and large, pretty assignment sound, I think speaks volumes about how far they've come just in two weeks, but I've really been impressed with the offense and, and maybe it's as simple as see how, see what happens when Skyler Thompson's under center. But I get the feeling that it's just more than that. Um, I think the offensive line has done a tremendous job uh, of late. Uh, I think that we're starting to see the receivers not only get involved, but I mean, they're catching balls. We're seeing a little bit more yak from them. Uh, there's more trust. We're seeing even in, in increment increments, we're seeing Daniel and Matt baby get involved a little bit more. Uh, I just think that it's, it's better balance and it, it's, it's certainly not as it may be as aggressive as we would like fits, but it's uh, for Courtney Messingham. He, he's spreading it around 
like you want. And it's taken a little bit of the burden off Deuce Vaughn, who I think they're going to need here down the stretch. As far as what is still concerning, um, I think, you know, to, to put it bluntly and, and just very simple and surface level, um, there's still some concerns that, you know, the teams that they've beaten both had their coaches fired. Um, and so those were locker rooms that to some extent were in turmoil. Those were two teams that were uh, towards the bottom of this conference and it's not going to get any better this week. So, you know, get what you need to get done in Lawrence and then let's go see what you can really do um, against a West Virginia team that has had your number. They sure have. And Kansas State has had Kansas's number for quite a while now, basically <laughs> since Bill Snyder came back out of retirement, roughly. It's it's amazing how K-State has dominated this series, but they do it because they never look past KU. They, it's it's an incredible thing to me, and, and I think Bill Self did it in basketball, getting his team prepared to play K-State when they were the lesser team, and and Bill Snyder always got his team ready, and it appears Chris Kleiman is in the same boat. He's going to have his guys ready. Is there any real threat from KU in terms of winning this game, or is Oklahoma... Uh, did Oklahoma do everyone a favor by doing what they did two weeks ago in Lawrence? Yeah, you know, I, I, well, first off, I wanted to touch real quick just on what you were talking about as far as uh, why K-State never seems to overlook Kansas. And I think it goes back to, you know, the importance that not only Bill Snyder, but Chris Kleiman has continued to put on on recruiting Kansans. And not necessarily Kansans all the time that are going to be scholarship guys, but just combing the state for walk-on talent. Um, you know, the guys that really make up the bulk of your roster. And when you start going and looking at what Lance Leipold inherited on KU's uh, roster versus what K-State has, the, disp- the disparity between the two as far as Sunflower State natives um, is giant. Um, and you look at the starters, the Jayhawks only start two Kansans, Devin Neal and Mason Fairchild, who's from Andale, they're tied in. Uh, K-State has more starters on the offensive line alone from Kansas. I think four of the five starters That's are incredible. Kansas for, for, for K-State. So they, it's important to the locker room, you know, and so when Chris Kleiman comes in, whether you know, you've got a Taylor Brad or not in the recruiting department that obviously takes this one very seriously. You've got the players can kind of hype up the locker room themselves. They don't need any coach speak for this one. Um, but getting back to the question just about, is there anything that, that worries you, I guess, uh, about KU? Um, I, I do think that we've seen that their offense in spurts can be a threat running the ball. Um, I, I think K-State, obviously, that, that plays to K-State's favor um, because K-State's defense has been largely uh, better against the run than they have against the pass, and statistics prove that. Um, so I, I think that, again, plays in K-State's hand. But y- you worry a little bit maybe if you allow Jason Bean to get in a rhythm. You know, we saw last year in Manhattan, you, know, you go back and look at the first half and um, the, hit, the quarterback's name escapes me for KU, but, you know, they weren't great, but they were still in that game barring into, you know, maybe midway through the second quarter. I want to say it was only 13 to nothing. And, you know, obviously K-State needed a, a Phillip Brooks t- uh, return, punt return touchdown to get uh, at least seven of those 10 going. And then, you know, obviously then things sort of spiral for the Jayhawks. But I think you, you're worried to some extent that if you allow Jason Bean to get in some sort of groove or keep drives alive, if you allow Devin Neal, one of the two native Kansans starting for the Jayhawks to get going. Um, you know, you don't want to give this team any confidence. Um, and so I think that would be maybe the one area that if you're a K-State fan, you want to watch closely is not allowing this running game for the Jayhawks to get going. Well, Jason Bean does concern me earlier in the year when I saw him, I thought he was dynamic enough to really lift up the whole offense because he can break the pocket and turn a third and long into a first down, which is something that a program such as KU really needs. Every program can use that. But lately he seems to be less of a threat than what I thought. And maybe it's because everyone has just zeroed in on how to stop him. You don't go try to sack him. You almost want him to throw the ball under pressure because he makes mistakes. You kind of keep him bottled up in that pocket. Don't let him get out and run. Do you expect K-State to take the same approach? Or are they just going to unleash King Felix on him whenever necessary? 
I would venture to guess that uh, Joe Klanderman in this one will come out in a very kind of base style, like you said, very, you know, all about contain containment oriented and try and let guys like Felix um, try and let guys like a Timmy Horn on the inside win as individuals before you start dialing up anything that might not be necessary. Uh, I, I would venture to guess that that's what K-State will do. Um, and, and like you said, I think that a lot of these defenses lately have kind of been throwing um, a Patrick Mahomes style approach at Jason Bean, where it's, you know, instead of blitzing you um, get and, and forcing you to get outside the pocket when you're maybe your most dangerous, we're just going to contain you. We're going to be assignment sound, not shoot any gaps that we don't have to um, take away that run and, and force you to beat us with your arm, which is um, not his strong suit. And so I, I I think you're right, Fitz. I think I would venture to guess Joe Klanderman, Chris Kleiman will come out and, and do things very basic early on and, and then find ways if they need to, to dial some things up. Cause I think they're going to win the majority of the one-on-one matchups. I would agree with that. KU averages about 16 points a game, uh, 10th in the big 12, Kansas state's ninth in the big 12 at 27.5. So there's even a gap there scoring defense, Caves giving up 43.8. So on on average, they're losing every game by four touchdowns, which is roughly the spread of this game. And uh, Kansas State's scoring defense is in the upper half of the conference at 23. So Cave just they they can't play offense, they can't play defense, and they're really bad at special teams. Is this as bad a KU team as we've seen in a long time? Uh, I actually would say no. Okay. Uh, I think I think that. Uh, by and large, I think that granted the last few weeks, especially last week was not a good example of this, but I do think that they are growing in their assignments. I think they're a little bit more assignment sound than we saw certainly under Les miles and probably even under the, the last few years of, of David Beatty, when uh, this rivalry, you know, for all intents and purposes, when you compare it to what it's been since Mark Mangino left, you know, 2017, 2018 were about as competitive as it's been. Um, so I think I think Lance Leipold, that's why they brought him in, was to build it from the ground up and, and teach the small things. And I do think they're getting better. I think that this is a secondary on defense. Um, they're getting destroyed, but I think that they actually have better athletes back there. I think some of their skill position players probably on both sides are better than they've been in a while. The problem is uh, the defensive front seven is atrocious. They just don't have enough athletes, particularly at linebacker um, and the defensive line, uh, specifically in the interior of the defensive line. And then you look at the offensive line and you've got, you know, uh, Mike Nowitzki at center that they brought over from Buffalo, who's tremendous, but there's not really anybody around him that's very good. And he's trying to, you know, gel an offensive line that he's only known for, you know, what, several months. So it's the line of scrimmage that is where KU has taken the biggest step back since really since Mark Mangino left and they just haven't ever been able to, to get by. But I, I don't think, I don't think there is, they're as bad maybe as, as they were under less miles. I really don't think so. I think that, you know, they, they have areas that they drastically need to improve in the recruiting game. Uh, they're still far and away the worst team in this conference and, and far and away one of the worst power five teams in the country. But I think that we're seeing uh, small, again, kind of incremental pushes towards them gaining confidence and, and being a little bit more assignment sounded just has not translated to the scoreboard outside of, I guess, the Oklahoma game. Well, as you mentioned, they don't have many Kansas kids on this KU roster. Um, it's just a horrible way to manage your team. you got to have a foundation to it that's right at home. And I know they've struggled to recruit in Kansas, particularly now with Iowa State and Oklahoma State and others coming into Kansas all the time for talent. It's gotten very competitive, but you got to do a better job. Hell, Wally, they haven't even won the city of Lawrence against Kansas State very often. <laughs> There's going to be three guys for the Wildcats at sea time on Saturday and uh, maybe more. But Devin Neal... Now, that kid, he stayed at home with Lawrence, in Lawrence. He stayed home with KU, and he's legit. I really like this kid at running back, but I feel like they've almost been forced to put too much load on him at times because of the Velton Gardner departure. And uh, I'm afraid it's almost like a young arm. They're going to wear him out before they get get any real value out of him. 
Well, and KU baseball is hoping that that's not the case because that's uh, <laughs> one of the reasons. That's one of the reasons Devin Neal opted to stay at home. I mean, uh, comes from a family that um, is proud Jayhawk supporters, but also KU um, offered him the opportunity to be a dual sport athlete. So he's going to suit up for the Jayhawks in baseball as well. But you're right, Fitz. He is. When I got a chance to see him as a high school junior. Uh, and he was going against Kai Thomas, no less, who was uh, just a tremendous uh, high school back in the state of Kansas himself. Hasn't translated to Minnesota, but that's another story. Um, Devin Neal was the real deal. I mean, probably one of the best complete backs that I've seen in the state of Kansas in many, many years. Maybe going back to another Jayhawk, Jake Sharp. Um, Devin Neal's the real deal. But you're right. I mean, they need to try and alleviate. Uh, the pressure that they're and the burden that they're putting on him. Uh, he's very capable of handling it and he's very good, but they need a, a guy like Lawrence Arnold, I think is who they're trying to get involved more. Um, one of the few guys that K-State actually offered and chose Kansas. Um, he's from the Dallas Fort Worth kind of Metroplex, big kid, six, three, but he's wildly inconsistent. And then you've got a guy like Luke Grimm, who's one of the few Kansas city kids that that's on the Jayhawks roster. And he's kind of their Landry Weber receiver. Um, for the most part, he's, he's a really sure handed kid runs clean routes, but he just isn't overly dynamic from a speed standpoint. And so you can't always rely on, on Luke to be, you know, to be open all the time. Um, and that's no fault again, sometimes of his own, uh, but they, they really need to get those two guys going. And I think they would like to get more uh, from their tight end position too. Mason Fairchild, Trevor Cardell from Lee summit West. Uh, those are two guys that I, I think coming into this season, the staff had, high hopes on and the the productivity just hasn't been there. Now, again, is that the fault of Jason beans? Is that the fault of the offensive line? Or is that the fault of, you know, the tight ends just not producing, um, you know, that, that probably varies by game. They just don't have enough weapons. And that brings me to my next question. And it involves recruiting and the transfer portal. Is the transfer portal a good thing for a program such as Kansas because they can look out and find talent that can come in and help them? Heck, he rated his old roster at Buffalo. That's another topic. I thought it was a little bit tacky, but they can go find guys to come in that have more experience. However, they're under the constant threat of guys popping up, showing that they can play and then entering the transfer portal to go to a better program. Is the portal uh, a threat to KU or a benefit? I think if they use it similarly to how we've seen Chris Kleiman utilize the transfer portal, I think that that would probably behoove Lance Leipold. And what I mean by that is I think when you run the type of schemes that KU and K-State both want to run, I mean, with Lance Leipold, again, more run centric, more run heavy, uh, that wide zone offensive line, wide zone scheme that the offensive line wants to run. It requires kind of a unique breed of linemen. You want longer athletic, most oftentimes in high school, that means leaner linemen that you can develop the way that, that you need them to be and the way you need them to block. I, finding those types of guys in the portal can sometimes be tricky because, you know, right now there's where we live in a day and age where it's so spread heavy. Um, and so the, the blocking styles is very different and you lose some of that cohesion that I was talking about earlier. But if you use the transfer portal to address your skill position needs and you go find a quarterback as they did with Jason Bean, you go find some receivers, you go find, maybe even a linebacker uh, or, or a safety that they can cover the field sideline to sideline and maybe roll into the box. That's where I think maybe Lance Leipold um, would do himself some favors is to try and maybe increase the skill position immediately, but try and build in the trenches through uh, raw development at the high school level. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, the transfer portal is such an unknown. I mean, we we don't know the long-term effects of this. And I do think programs such as Kansas that are in need of a massive rebuild, and even K-State that is still trying to upgrade that roster to get all the depth it wants, it can be a real benefit. But you also have to protect your roster. It's, it's right. added a whole other layer of intrigue and difficulty to coaching college football. Two weeks in a row, K-State has won games against – what were thought to be like opponents. And as it turned out, K-State was much better than TCU. 
probably much better than Tech. They were just so damn sloppy and couldn't get out of their own way. Been barely one in Lubbock, but got two coaches fired. What is your short take on this, your quick read on this, and why has this happened? Well, you know, I think going to the most recent opponent in TCU, I, I think it goes back to something that I alluded to last week on the show, which was that I think Gary Patterson was just at a, at a turning point in his career. And it had been going that way for a while. He's an intense guy um, with a lot of structure, high demands, um, and likes to be in full and complete control of every facet of his program. And I think in today's day and age, that was starting to rub off wrong on, on players. Uh, it, it can get, you know, your media fired up easy boosters. If you're not producing on the field, um, we'll start to look at those more glaringly. And so that, in addition to the fact that I think, you know, while TCU was recruiting at a little higher level, it, they weren't really getting the type of players, the, the character guys that I think Gary Patterson wanted because he was forced to kind of keep up with the Joneses, with the Texas, Texas A&Ms, you know, even SMU now. And that leads me right into the same thing that I think happened with Matt Wells. They just weren't recruiting um, well enough that I think was going to make folks in Lubbock happy. Uh, forget the win and loss stuff. And every fan base, I think, um, can get caught maybe thinking that they should be better than they are. But at the end of the day, if, if you're not recruiting very well and then you're going out and you're struggling to beat teams – you know, like Kansas, which uh, I believe Matt Wells lost to his first year, um, you know, you're not going to do yourself any favors as far as, you know, long-term stability. Well, I'm going to make a bold prediction here on the pregame podcast that the streak of getting coaches fired ends this week. <laughs> yes. There isn't a score possible for KU to let go of this guy because I think they've got the right guy. I think they just need to give him time and hope he his plan does work out. But mostly, and I said it on our other podcast this week, KU's got to invest in football. they got to build a new stadium. Uh, everything else is is a good move. But until your facilities measure up, you ain't going to win many games because you ain't going to get the right players. It's just they, they can't get themselves to invest enough in football. It's kind of like rolling, you know, a, a fancy $800 leather recliner with heated seats out onto your back patio. Right. <laughs> Which is ironic because that's basically what they did in that one end zone. <laughs> That's kind of what it's like being, you know, a sweet holder at Memorial Stadium. Um, I love the history of it. I mean, I do. I, I think it's it's neat. But you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, they've they've got to they've got to do something. Really, you know, the the football complex, uh, the indoor facility that they just built uh, were steps. But you know, when you have to go in every Saturday and you know try and get fans to come into the cold concrete, you know, in November of Memorial Stadium, it's it's not pleasant, especially when your team's getting worked like they are, have been. I, I agree. Does K-State cover the 24 points? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me ah. that. Um, you know, Ryan Gilbert asked me every week for our picks, and this is one that I, I texted him back. I said, am I crazy for thinking 24 feels high? And here's what I mean by that. Uh, we don't know. We, we expect Malik Knowles to play. Right. Um, it sounds like he's trending that way. It even sounds like Phillip Brooks might be able to get back on the field. But at, at what percentage health-wise are they? Um, and so if if they're not 100%, uh, you know, to what degree are they? And, and to what impact does that make on an offense that's already going to be without Tyrone Howell for the first half? That's Do true. I think Deuce Vaughn and, and Skylar Thompson in and of themselves are good enough to put up points on KU? hundred percent. Absolutely. No question. Um, but you know, is it, would it stun me to see Jason Bean and Devin Neal, maybe, you know, work the clock a little bit more than maybe we expect in the first half? No. So, you know, you mentioned earlier today that Kansas state, what are they, what'd you say they're averaging like 27 points on offense? Yeah. You know, so do we really think that they'll beat KU by 24, uh, you know, history in this, in this rivalry says so, but you know, they also needed some crazy special teams and a lot of turnovers to help them, uh, you know, beat KU as bad as they did last year. And like I said, I think that team was worse coached than this team. Um, I think K state will control the game. I think they will win comfortably. 
but as we sit here today, midweek, I'm a little nervous if they're actually going to cover 24. If they do, I think it'll be right on the right on the penny. His name's Ryan Wallace. He covers football recruiting for us at GoPowerCat.com and pitches in on team coverage. Always good stuff, Wally. Much appreciated. After the break, you, we sir. after the break we turn our attention to Brian Hanley, our football analyst, as we further break down this game between the Hawks and the Cats that takes place Saturday morning over at KU's Memorial Stadium. I'm not going to mention the new name. I don't believe in that name. I'm going to call it Memorial Stadium. We'll be right back. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pre-Game Podcast. One segment down, that was Ryan Wallace from our Go Power Cat staff breaking down the game. And now, in a moment, we are going to bring in... Brian Hanley, former Kansas State offensive lineman in 97 and 98 for the Wildcats, and he serves as our football analyst located down in Frisco, Texas. We are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. At Robbins Motor Company, they strive to earn lifetime business and build relationships selling quality cars, trucks, vans, and SUVs, and offering top-notch parts and service. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. And now we bring in Brian Hanley to talk about Kansas State's game on Saturday in Lawrence with the KU Jayhawks. Brian, is it hard to get up for games like this as a player? I mean, well, first of all, I played for Bill Snyder, so that, you know, kind of changes things right there. But, you know, it's not that it's it's hard to get up for them. It's just, you know, you practice hard all week because coach is going to demand that you come into the game just thinking, you know what, if we just put for you're, you want to, you understand that you have to put forth a lot of effort so people don't get hurt because when you go half speed, that's when guys, not that guys can't get hurt at any other time, but you know, if when you go half speed, lots of people get hurt because you don't move your feet, you get rolled up on that happens anyway. So it's not that you can't really get up for them. It's just, are you really excited? Especially when you know that you're going to go play in a stadium that's going to be half. If, if it's going to be half full, you know, depending on the weather, how many K-State fans are going to show up because we're going to be in the majority of the crowd there anyway. So it's, you know, I was lucky enough, I'll be honest with you, is that when we played at KU, the stadium was full, but it was easily three-fourths K-State fans. Easily. So it was a little different. That's just crazy. Absolutely crazy. (laughs) But going back to Bill Snyder, he did have this remarkable gift, even though he had KU outmanned almost every game after, I don't know, what, 90 293. He yeah. just had the better team, but he still got his team prepared and mentally ready to play that game, which isn't easy to do, but it happened no. every time they were ready. Yeah, well, the one thing about it is is that especially in the earlier years, guys can remember and especially kids that either grew up in Kansas, went to school there, maybe you went to junior college in Kansas, you can remember when K-State wasn't better than KU right. and how it could flip easily. Well, that was something that was always said to us as well, is that, hey, you know, I mean, and then you look, especially in those days, you looked at the, the record, well, KU dominated the series. Now, they didn't dominate the recent history but they'd won way more games against K-State than than what we had won against them. So, and being able to just crush them, I think that was also another thing that that played into it, knowing if we just go out there and just, just pound them into oblivion, that's fun for you. You know, and then getting to see guys that, that don't always get to play, getting them to see you go out there and play and play well, that's fun. I mean, sometimes we take that for granted because we don't always see that, but getting to see, especially your friends, they're obviously your teammates, but they're your friends get to go out there and play. That is, is motivating. It's fun for, for everybody, fun for everybody. By all measurements, this should be a mismatch. And the only way I see KU 
finding a way to win is if K-State lets its guard down, doesn't put in the effort that we've been discussing, and has turnovers. But we saw Oklahoma, a much better team than K-State, do that a couple weeks ago in Lawrence and get the you-know-what scared out of it until they finally decide in the fourth quarter we're going to wake up, play, and win this game. Did they do, as in Oklahoma, do K-State a favor by showing what could happen to you in Lawrence if you don't take this seriously? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because the one thing that I know for sure, KU is going to be ready to play. They're going to be fired up and they're going to be ready to play because they think that they're going to be able to compete in this game. Right. Well, whether they actually can or they can't is something totally different, but they're going to be ready. Now, are they good enough? Probably not. But if we go out there and just go through the motions, the game will be tighter than what we want it to be. So you that's why you go out there and you just put it on them early because they've been blown out virtually you know every big 12 game so if you go out there and you put it on them early they'll quit then you know they'll stop playing and that's fine that's fine that's what we want but you got to go do it you can't they're not going to just you know they're not going to lay down at the beginning of the game they're not going to do that i mean the kids have pride too so they're not going to do it you have to make them lay down but that's we're very capable of doing that well, hope, at least in athletics, um, can be a dangerous thing because if the other team has it, even though you've got them outmanned, if you keep feeding into that hope, you let them stay in the game, then it could become sure. a real issue. And, and we've seen that. We've seen KU, uh, I think David Beatty's last game, they were pretty competitive with K-State. So they've had their moments. But for the most part, this has been a series completely dominated by K-State in most of our lifetimes. Uh, you know, yeah. I, you can talk about KU having the advantage, but I saw somewhere that the stat is you'd have to be 73 or older to yeah. see more <laughs> KU wins in K-State. Uh, right. And uh, nothing against the older crowd because that makes them <laughs> understand that this is at stake and they uh, – they would prefer if K-State rattled off about, I think it's 18 more years of wins to get this series even. That's how out of whack this series has been historically and recently. But when we take it onto the field, what is the biggest thing about Kansas that should threaten K-State? You know, I, I mean, Kansas has a few athletes, I would guess. But on what I think is kind of just what you mentioned is the hope. The what? How KU is going to be in this game is if K-State goes through the motions and goes half speed and doesn't come ready to play. That is how they'll stay in the game. That's how they'll be in the game. They're they're going to be outmanned at every position. I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat this. We're better than they are everywhere, literally everywhere. But if we don't go out and play – they can stay in this football game because, like I mentioned, they have pride, too. I mean, kids have pride. They're going to be ready to play at the beginning of the game. So how they stay in it is if we allow it. You know, KU has almost always had one guy. I mean, the guy that you were a little bit scared of, the, the guy maybe running back that could make the big play and right. change the course of a game. And I thought their new quarterback, Jason Bean, was going to be that guy. I saw him against Coastal Carolina make some really nice plays, particularly running the ball, but he, he's had his moments throwing the ball. But as this season has wore on, maybe people have gotten more book on him and they understand exactly how to stop him. He is not as big a threat. He is a threat no. to run the ball, but they keep him – everyone kind of more focused on containing him than sacking him. Uh, right. and it's made their stats look pretty good. He's only been sacked, I think, twice in the last five games, mostly because he's a bigger threat to break the pocket and get out, and people don't want him to do that. Uh, but he is a special athlete. He's extremely fast. He is right. scary fast for a quarterback. And I'll be honest, this this is the one matchup that worries me. If he can continually break containment somehow, some way, I, I don't like the way – it might stack up for this K-State defense. Am I crazy? You're not crazy. I, I, I mean, I don't know that that will necessarily happen, but I don't think you're you're crazy because it is something that can happen, especially when we don't rush. You know, we just rush crazy and, and wild and aren't disciplined with our rush. You know, when that happens, that becomes a problem. So I think that's one of the things that we're going to have to do. Again, just do what you're supposed to do. Do your job. 
do it the right way and everything will be fine. It's when you get out of whack and get out of line is when things can go haywire. So he presents an issue, but if we do what we are supposed to do, it will not be an issue. I find it interesting some of these other numbers they have. Their their leading rusher, Devin Neal, a Lawrence kid, who's really pretty good, um, is struggling with a – really shoddy offensive line, has carried the ball 101 times for 443 yards. Those stats aren't going to blow anyone away. But this is their eighth game, and he's carried the ball 100 times. So, I mean, you're, right. you're talking 12 carries a game, which doesn't seem much. Kwame Lasseter is their most productive and their best receiver. He only has 30 catches through eight games, so he's averaging three and a half or so a game. I mean, it just it doesn't look to me like they're getting the ball to the guys that could be the most dangerous for an opposing defense. Well, and one of the things that may not be able to, you know, if if you're not able to get it to them, because whether your quarterback play or your offensive line play or, you know, you don't have created enough offense, whatever the case may be, I mean, maybe you're just not capable of doing that. Um, You know, I'm not going to sit here and just bash KU and say they're the worst program in, in college football, but they're one of the worst programs in college football. So, you know, and, and, and power five football for sure. So it's just, you know, you feel bad, I guess, a little bit, a little bit, just a little bit, to not a lot. But at you the get same over time, it it's just, yeah. yeah, you do, yeah, you do, and it's just, you know, I, I don't, I don't know what their philosophy is. I don't, I don't know what they're trying to accomplish. I know they're probably trying to win, but you would think that you would get the ball in your playmakers' hands, and I don't know. I don't know. I just don't think they're capable of doing it. That's what I think. I don't think they're capable of getting it to them. Well, I don't expect the Kansas State defense to get very fancy in this game. Maybe they'll bring a blitz here and there. But I think for the most part, they're going to stay fairly generic. And Chris Kleiman said at Tuesday's press conference, they've gone back to basics the last two games. They've stopped trying to build upon the foundation that they've had and went back to that foundation and it's worked for them. Now, maybe a better team would take advantage of that, but let's be honest, that's not Kansas. I think they'll be pretty basic, but I will be intrigued to see if they run zone on the back end so they can keep Jason Bean in front of them or if they actually want to put more guys at the line and place a man on the back end and try to you know, squeeze the pocket on Jason Bean. That's the only intriguing thing I have in this game, and I hope they run man. I really do. I think K-State's better in man-to-man defense because it appears to me that then quarterbacks have to hold the ball a little bit longer, and it makes a world of difference. Well, the one thing that sometimes when you play man, you get guys running with their, you know, if a quarterback breaks contain, you get guys running with their backs to them. Well, if you have extra defenders, you know, we're rushing three guys and you can get pressure and then you have extra defenders. Everybody's not going to have a man because they're not going to have enough guys running, you know, routes. So there's going to be some guys free. I don't know if K-State's going to, you know, introduce a spy. I don't think we really have to do that, but we could. But you're right. I think we're better at man. Don't give those open pockets to, you know, to, to run around. And that's where we get into trouble sometimes on defense is when we run, we let the quarterback run around because we don't have pressure, even in the zone. You can have eight guys back there. there somebody's going to get open. That's just the way that it works. So if you give them enough time, somebody could find a place to get open. So I think getting enough pressure and then just, you know, doing what we do, cover on the back end and cover man, I think we'll be okay. Flipping it over now to the K-State offense, I like where this offense is at now. I think they've kind of discovered a little diversity in um, weapons and play calling that has made this a much more dangerous and effective offense. And as we spoke on the post-game review podcast, I think they're just scratching the surface with, for example, getting the ball to the tight end or using Deuce Vaughn more as a receiver, which we might see this week because of the simple fact they got banged up at receiver in last week's victory. Um, But I feel like if Kansas State can keep that balance of the offense, and what I mean by that is kind of balance and play calls. It's been about two to one yardage in terms of throwing the ball to uh, throwing the ball to running it. But I, I would like to see them use this as a game to kind of expand the playbook a little bit more and get some guys involved. And they might have an opportunity to because they might be short on receiver. We'll see how that plays out at, at, at kickoff if they have Malik Knowles and Phillip Brooks. But uh, I just see an opportunity here for this offense to grow confidence. 
but they can't grow confidence by being conservative and letting the defense get to them a little bit. And that's my fear is Courtney Messingham's a very conservative play caller. He'll reel it in and just be so generic that even KU can get a stop. Well, and that's what, you know, you have to fight against is what I mentioned earlier, come out and punch them in the mouth early. Well, that's not just running ball, you know, between the tackles every down either. You know, obviously there's a place for that and and that works, but you can't just do that every time. Even KU has guys that are going to be able to tackle if you're just going to run, run, run and be very conservative. I mean, again, they have a few athletes over there. They have football players those guys got scholarships too now it's the KU but at the same time it is what it is you can't just be that conservative you have to go out and expand do the things that you do if you want to get better this is a game to get better clearly it's a football game that you have to go win first but go get better take some chances do some things that you don't want to do or that you know you haven't done you know even if it's just to throw something in a, the, an upcoming opponent its you know, eyes to make them prepare for right you know you have to do some of those things you know and again i'm not trying to say this is just a lay down game because i don't want anybody to go into it thinking that but it's a game that we should be able to put away by the middle of the second quarter and so and by doing that you can expand you can do some things take some chances you know run a trick play or two you know that's what i would really like to see is run a trick play or two something that again a team has to prepare for that they haven't seen you don't always have to hold those and run them against somebody you know make them prepare for it you know make them prepare you only have a certain number of hours that you can even practice in college so make them use them all right philip brooks was a nightmare for ku last year i I think he had 17 punt returns for touchdowns in in that game Might, might be exaggerating a little bit, but he was so effective in that game. He may or yeah. may not play. I bet he does. If, if there's any doubt, they won't play him. They'll try to right. get him healthy for the stretch run. But special teams last year proved to be a giant chasm between these two programs. And I think this year's the same. If K-State can cash in special teams, KU stinks in special teams. They just do. And it's it's a problem that changing coaches doesn't seem to solve. And for the life of me, I can't figure it out. You can go get your backups to make them own special teams like K-State does, and it works. You have the guys to do it. I just don't understand how any program on the build can neglect special teams. You know, Tim, it's the old saying, there's no bad or there's no good football team. Well, let me just say, say this. When you're a bad football team and you're bad at special teams, you never really see a bad football team be good at special teams. You should, I mean, at some point you have to build somewhere. You would think kind of what you said that this would be the area. You know what? Let's try to build here and put guys here. And if that means you got to put starter, all your starters out there or whatever it is, then you need to do that. Be good somewhere. And then just have some pride in something. And that's what disappoints me. Well, I guess it doesn't really disappoint me because I don't really care, but it's just have some pride in something. Be good on special teams. And they're horrendous at special teams. You're right. Just horrendous. Well, I mean, come on now that you've seen good teams that are bad at special teams. And sometimes that comes back to bite them. Well, if you're a bad team, you should be good at special teams. You should be, but they're not, and I think this is a game that we can exploit it. Uh, maybe run a trick play or two on, on special teams as well. You know, make them pay for it. Lance Leipold is highly respected, was incredibly successful at the D3 level, which, folks, is a really small level. I mean, comparing yeah. his D3 success to Chris Kleiman's FCS success is there, – there's those what? are two different worlds. Yes. I mean – Just think of it this way. In the state of Kansas, Fort Hay State, Emporia, Pittsburgh State, all those schools, Washburn, play D2. Those are D2. So D3 is smaller. They're more like uh, maybe a Kansas Wesleyan Bethany of the NCAA. But Chris Kleiman always says football is football. I think Lance Leipold is a good coach uh, based on what he's done there. Uh, I think it was Wisconsin Whitewater and now at Buffalo and now Kansas. But I'm not seeing evidence of it. Other than that Oklahoma game, I would say this KU football team that played Saturday in Stillwater is worse than the one that started the season. Am I crazy? 
I don't think you're crazy. I think the guys are beaten down. The one thing that I will give him a pass for is when he got the job. You know, at the, the time that that he got the job, I mean, he, I mean, who did he bring in? Who could he bring in? How do you prepare? So I'll give him a pass for that because, you know, it, it coming in when he did, you know, and I'm not saying it was a mistake for him to come in, but I mean, obviously it, somebody had to get there when they had to make a change, which that's a whole nother topic and for another time, <laughs> but, but I, I don't, I mean, they're not good. They don't have very many good players, so I can't really blame them. And I think they're just literally physically, but more importantly, mentally beat down already with the season and they got games to go. So they're, they're, they're finished. Uh, they'll come out ready to play this week, but they're, they're, they're finished as far as a football team. You can see it. They put up kind of what you mentioned uh, previously in the post game last week is that they, they, you know, they, they threw their game against OU, they, the game that they're going to be competitive in uh, and they blew it at the end or, I don't know if they necessarily blew it. I think OU just finally said, if we don't play, we're going to lose and we're going to be the laughing stock of college football. So I I think they figured it out, came back and won the game. And I think KU, they're just like, you know what? We, we tried and now we're finished. Here's what they've done in the big 12 so far this season. They lost to Baylor 45 to seven. That was in Lawrence. They went up to Iowa state, lost 59 to seven, Texas tech 41, 14 in Lawrence. Then we had the Oklahoma game. 35-23, 35-23, and KU led for a good more than three quarters, I believe. Then they went to Oklahoma State last weekend, 55-3, to and the three was a gift at the end. Uh, they just didn't move the ball the whole day. Oklahoma State completely dominated. They have K-State, then they go to Texas, they go to TCU, they finish up with West Virginia and Lawrence. Oh, yeah, they're over. And even with TCU without a coach is going to beat them. There's there's just a giant gap right now between 8, 9, and 10 in this conference. 10 is so far behind being Kansas. It's astonishing. And would it ever cross their mind to say, we're not going to do this anymore? Or are they going to keep beating their head against the wall with football and not put full resources into it and continue to lose? <laughs> I mean, they're never going to get rid of it. I mean, because if they did, they get kicked out of the conference immediately. So that would be the first thing. But so they're never going to get rid of it. But it's not going to get any better until you decide that you want to get better. And it's just what you said. The only way you can do that is you have to spend the money. You got to be able to put the resources in and tell a coach you're not going to get fired after three years. And I think this might be the guy is a look, we're going to give you as much time as you need to figure this out. Now, if it keeps getting worse and worse and they can't bring in any players, that's something different, but you got to be able to do it. Look, we saw Mangino do it. We saw him do it. He literally did it. KU was horrible. I don't know if they were worse than what they are right now. So I'm not going to, but they were horrendous and he figured it out. You know, he figured it out. And I mean, you got to be able to go get some players. Now, how he got the players, we can talk about that again. Different time, different conversation. But they got there. And it, until you decide that you're going to put in full resources, it's not going to get any better. But they won't shut it down. They're not going to shut it down because you can't shut it down in, in a Power 5 conference like that. Uh, even though their basketball is what it is, you can't shut it down. But, I mean, do you, I mean it's almost like they enjoy – being the laughing stop fits. I mean, they just don't care. They literally don't care. And I don't get that. At some point, have some pride it, or something. It almost feels to me like they're they're afraid of football treading on basketball. Oh, my goodness. You're you know, right. You're right. It's basketball season now in Lawrence. Basketball tips off probably this week over there. It does in Manhattan. They're, it just strikes me like, well, if we get good, remember that time we were good and nobody paid attention to basketball for a few weeks? And it was, yeah, that's not good. That's not us. I just feel like they're so focused on basketball. They don't give a rat's ass about football. They just, they'll, they'll accept this, be embarrassed by it, but they don't defend it. They, they, they're not bought in at all. They don't care. Here's what I can tell you. And it burns me again to my core. I grew up in Louisville. I'm a Louisville fan. But the University of Kentucky has figured out exactly that. They were just as bad as KU. Well, maybe not that as bad. But it is all basketball. Now they're good in football, and they have embraced it. But the first thing that they did was they put money into the program. They hired a coach, 
And whether you like them or not, you, they hired a coach and told him, we are going to give you the time that you need. Go bring in the football players. We will put the money into the program. And they did it. And they got the facilities. They built the facilities. And now the University of Kentucky is ranked in the top 25. And they are a good football team. They are not just a fluke. They are a legitimate, good football team. So it can work at basketball schools if you choose to do that. But you have to choose to do it. You know, Kentucky doesn't have any more money than Kansas. You know, so if Kansas wants to have a good program, first of all, you got to just blow up that stadium or whatever you want to call it. Just literally implode it and build another one. And even if it's smaller, fine, but build another one and start there. Because until you do, nobody's going to go play at that track. I mean, and I know they got rid of it and all that stuff. I go, but we all know what it is. Nobody's playing at that. I mean, you know, they're not going to go do that. There's high schools everywhere where the stadium is much nicer than that dump. So put the money in, figure it out, and go from there. But until you do, this is what you get. And But, again, it can be done at a basketball school. And you're right. It's almost like they don't want to – get in the way of basketball. But if you just look at other basketball schools, they embrace football. They embrace it. The fans embrace it. So they would embrace it at KU too, but oh well. Well, his name's Brian Hanley. He is our football analyst, a former Kansas State offensive lineman, and he advises the University of Kansas to go hire a Stoops brother and spend money on football. <laughs> and, and that is the best plan I've heard to save KU in a long, long time, and he doesn't even care about KU. Brian, no, I do not. <laughs> thank you very much. I appreciate you joining us. No problem. Thank you. That is the second segment of our pregame podcast. Kansas State plays Kansas Saturday morning, 11 a.m. over in Lawrence at that stadium that we don't think much of. I am Fitz, and we'll be right back with more of your pregame podcast sponsored by Robbins Motor Company. GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat podcast continues after this short break. Welcome back to the Power Cat Podcast. Now, let's return to the GPC Studios. Welcome back to the Power Cat Pre-Game Podcast. We have two of our three segments behind us now, and we're facing one more segment that starts with our interview of a K-State player or coach. And this week, we have a Kansan on to discuss this game with Kansas. Very fitting. But we are sponsored by Robbins Motor Company, the dedicated team of automotive professionals at Robbins Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram Fiat will match you with a vehicle that suits your lifestyle and budget. Robbins Motor Company, title sponsor of the PowerCat pregame podcast. Standing by is our Ryan Gilbert to break down the spread, the odds of this game on Saturday between K-State and KU, a big spread in K-State's favor, and also look at the other three games happening around the Big 12 this weekend, but he must sit there and listen to this part of the podcast. And on Tuesday at the Football Media Opportunity, we had a chance to talk to Cooper Beebe, of course, a Kansas product who is now the left tackle for the Kansas State Wildcats, and he had some very interesting things to say about this rivalry and what it means for those players in the state of Kansas. But we did start with this. Is this game any different than any other game on the schedule, even though you're from Kansas? For me personally, it's just, you know, another week on our schedule. I know, you know, some dudes take this game very personally, but for me, you know, it's just another week, um, another game for me. What does it mean to be a state of Kansas lineman in this game? Uh, yeah, I think it's, you know, there's definitely going to be an edge in us. Um you know, because for, I mean, not for me personally, but for a lot of dudes, you know, they they were on the offense line, you know, they were overlooked. And, like, you know, I had an offer from Kansas, but there's some other dudes, you know, that were overlooked. So, you know, it's going to mean a lot to them, you know, to go out there and, you know, run the ball down people's throats, and it's going to be a huge game for them. He chose K-State in his recruitment, but how close was it with KU? I live 20 minutes from Lawrence, so I actually was a KU fan when I was growing up. And, you know, on one of my visits, you know, I'm not going to say the coach's name. He's not there, but he actually uh, told me not to go there. So that was one of my, you know, deciding factors not to go there. So, And is this offensive line making progress? 
Uh, we still have a lot of room to grow. You know, just watching from the TCU game, you know, we've looked at different things where we still have, you know, areas of improvement, you know, whether that's, you know, continue, continuing to finish blocks or, you know, uh, continuing to execute plays. You know, execution is a big thing that we're trying to focus on, and there's still ways that we can improve. I think there's still another level that we need to reach. I feel like we're inconsistent at times, you know, like when we get when we get things rolling, I think we really get it going. But you know, like for the drives, like say we go three and out, I think it kind of kills our, you know, momentum. But once we get that first down and we start rolling, I think that's when our run game really picks it up. And finally, we wrap up with this. Cole Carmody from our staff asked him a pretty good question about going up in practice against Felix and Yuduke Uzama and how difficult that is for him and has it made him a better lineman. Yeah, especially, you know, going up against, you know, Felix, you know, I think he's the best end I've gone against in the Big 12 so far. And, you know, it's just him, it just makes the game so much slower to me because, you know, when you go against the best, it's, you know, I go against him every day. So it's just making me a better player and just makes the game so much slower. And now we welcome in Ryan Gills Gilbert of the Go Powercat staff who monitors all of the bookmaking all of it across the world, U.S. Russian bots booking games. He's on it. I might have exaggerated there a little bit. No, not at all. Uh, four games in the conference. Oklahoma and Texas Tech decided to take the week off because, uh, well, Oklahoma needs to recover from the latest college football rankings since they're eighth in the poll or whatever that is for the playoff. And Texas Tech is 509th. So, I'm I'm glad we don't have to watch Texas Tech play anymore this week. That's it. That's the whole segment. We're not going to do it. Right, see ya. Um, okay, let's start with what game do we want to start with? I want to start with Oklahoma State being a three-point favorite at West Virginia. Explain that to me after what the Mountaineers have been doing lately. Well, <clears throat> if you look at what the two teams have done this season, this line won't make much sense to you. But with what West Virginia is doing as of late, I think the line actually makes somewhat sense to me. And I looked at it at first. I said, what in the world? you got to hammer Oklahoma State. But the more I think about it, the more you look at it, West Virginia seems like the team to bet on here. They've got a little bit of a cushion, being an underdog. And I think Vegas knows something here that the public doesn't know about. If this is only a three-point spread when West Virginia is is clearly not ranked, I don't think they have any votes. And Oklahoma State's a top 15 top 15 team in the country. So I like West Virginia here. I think Vegas knows something here. That'd be very interesting considering the Mountaineers come to Manhattan next week. <clears throat> Maybe they will be equally as hot as Kansas State. Uh, let's see here. Let's do Baylor, a six-and-a-half-point favorite at TCU. What? Mm-hmm. Baylor's going to win this game by I don't know how much. Am I missing something here? No. <laughs> I talked about you know Oklahoma State's line maybe being too good to be true. Baylor's line is not at all. I mean, how how could you bet on TCU here? I don't get it. Their their coach is gone, and and we saw Texas Tech last week. That that was their first game without Matt Wells, and and they failed to cover that spread. So I think TCU is going to do the same exact thing. They're not going to cover this. That program is in shambles right now. I think it's up to three transfers they've already had depart from the program with Gary Patterson gone. So. You'd have to be out of your mind to bet on TCU here. So Baylor's a good team, and then they're still week after week. Baylor is is improving. If an average team was going in, let's say, let's try to pick it out. Uh, K State average. K State going to TCU. I'd be surprised in this current circumstance if they didn't win by seven or more. Baylor is a really good team that is playing good football, going in to play a program that just got their asses kicked on the road, fired their coach, and now they're only a six and a half point underdog at home. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But I've missed other games that I didn't get. I reference Oklahoma and Kansas. <laughs> Still can't explain what happened there. <laughs> Texas is a six and a half point uh, underdog at Iowa State. I like this line. Um, because of the way Texas plays. I mean, Texas could be up early in this game and lose again, but will it be by seven or more points? That's the question. 
I've lost a lot of money on Texas this season, and I think you just – I've I've hit the point where I'm done betting on them. I yeah. think this is a really good opportunity for Iowa State to bounce back. It's one of those games where you get back on your feet after a frustrating loss. I think Iowa State wins this one. Home field advantage will help them out. I know, Fitz, you're big on on, on, on southern teams traveling up north. I don't yeah. know how cold it's going to be, but we're into November now. And playing on a grass field, I think Iowa State's got a lot of advantages here. And And the biggest one for me, though, like I mentioned, is the bounce back game. Okay. And then is that it? Oh, there's one more game. There's one more uh, game. Uh, it's like one one team playing yeah, just uh, against themselves. Right. Kansas State has to travel to the suburbs of Kansas City <laughs> to take on the University of Kansas. Anyhow, K-State's a 24-point favorite on the Jayhawks' home field. I actually like the line. I think the line's set really well. I think K-State covers that. But it won't surprise me if KU strings together a decent day at the office and loses by three touchdowns. How's that for a decent day at the office? You only lose by three touchdowns. But I would take K-State here. How about you? Mm-hmm. I like K-State here. and I say it every week, Fitz. Don't bet on Kansas until they can consistently cover these spreads. I think it's interesting. The over-under of this game is 54 points. So that means roughly Vegas thinks the final score of the outcome of the game will be 40-16. to 16. I don't see that really happening. I don't know if K-State's going to put up 40 points. I mean, they're banged up, especially at the wideout position. You know, if K-State does cover the spread, it's going to be 27-3 to 3 or something like 28-3, to 3, you know, cover it barely. I don't know if K-State has enough firepower to blow out this, this KU team by five touchdowns like most teams have. But I, I do think they'll cover. There is some reason for skepticism. Kansas State has not won a game by 24 points or more all season long. Granted, it would have happened against TCU if there wasn't that garbage time touchdown. I get it. KU is the worst team in the league. I like Kansas State here. I'm still a little cautious, but oh, no. until KU can, until until KU can cover, excuse me, don't bet on them. Just don't do it. No, no. I they did it once against OU, and then they came right back down to earth against well, Oklahoma State. And I asked Skylar Thompson about this at Tuesday's press conference. If what happened with Oklahoma caught the attention of K-State. And I think what KU did against Oklahoma was the worst thing they could do heading down the rest of the season. As <laughs> yeah. ironic as that is, they certainly had Oklahoma State's attention and Oklahoma State just kicked the living tar out of them on both sides of the ball. And I think it might happen this week also, as I've mentioned. I like the fact that King Felix is upset about his record being taken away. I think Felix he could be... Yeah, I, did you see the lower third that Channel Forty One ran in? KC? I did. I, that was unbelievable. What? How? What? It's like they just dropped their phone on their keyboard and did, and just let it put a hyphen stay. in the middle and call it good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I Should you reveal to the people that we have a listener? With us yeah, right Cole's here. Cole's listening and it's creepy. He's just sitting here smiling. He keeps nodding his head, nodding his head. Good. So and I, I know. I know he doesn't agree with us. By the way, uh, Texas, Iowa State, the forecast on Saturday in Ames, early November, 65 degrees. Oh, crap. I was but on that. the game's at 630. It will get cold. So um, I don't know if Sark will have warmers behind the bench or peanut butter and jelly sandwiches for the team at halftime like Mac Brown did. But whatever he needs to do, he needs to make sure they come out for the second half. Whatever they're doing at halftime, stop doing that. Honestly, I think they might just be watching videos of Pole Assassin at halftime. And you gotta stop doing that. That's first of all, it's disrespectful. That's one of the coaches' girlfriends or wives. I don't know. But you gotta stop. It's not right. <laughs> that's that's a lady. We went off the rails at the end. That actually, never happens. Actually, we didn't do that. I did that. And I sat here and nodded my head. Thank you, Ryan Gilbert. Much appreciated. Very interesting takes on the action around the conference this week. This is going to be a very critical game for K-State, as all of them have become as the season has progressed. They won their first three. They lost their next three. And if they can beat Kansas on Saturday morning over in Lawrence, they will win their next three to get to 6-3, and three, to get bowl eligible, to get to 3-3 three and three in the conference, and seemingly get their head above water as they head into that final section of three games to end this regular season. And of course, after the game in Lawrence, they will come home to play West Virginia and then play Baylor before closing on the Friday after Thanksgiving at 
the University of Texas. A really big stretch of games lies ahead for Kansas State, but business first arrives in Lawrence, and K-State must take care of business against a KU team that showed against Oklahoma a few weeks ago in Lawrence that it can't compete if you give it an opportunity to do so. It'll be important for Kansas State to come out and sock the Jayhawks right in the jaw, as they quite often do in this game, and put KU on its heels so that you have an advantage throughout the early portion of the game. It will be an interesting game for me. I like Jason Bean an awful lot, and I think he offers KU a certain amount of X factor in this game, and we will see how it plays out. And of course, if you are a Kansas State fan, make sure you're subscribing to Go Powercat. You can read my five keys to victory every week. Find out what my breakdown of this game matchup is, along with my actual score prediction and how I think the game will go. And on Saturday morning, make sure you pop into Go Powercat to check out my on-the-line segment. Somehow, someway, I continue to be red hot in my picks against the spread in Big 12 games. I went 4-1 and one last week, and we will see what I do with the four games this week week, but that is available every Saturday morning over at Go Powercat leading up to the game, and I assume the last one of the year will be on Friday morning since that's when the game is with Texas. It is an 11 a.m. kickoff at KU's Memorial Stadium between Kansas State and KU. It's the Bleeding Kansas Bowl, as I prefer it be called, so let's stick with that. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com, and this has been the Powercat pregame podcast. We really appreciate you listening, and make sure you check back in on Monday for the PowerCap Post Game Review podcast in which Brian Hanley and I will break down this game between the Cats and the Hawks. Thank you for listening to the PowerCat podcast. Make sure you're subscribing to our show at Apple, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. PowerCat podcast, all rights reserved, gopowercat.com. PowerCat.com.